I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We've been in a, a series through the Catechism, and the Catechism has been going through the various articles of the Apostles' Creed, explaining what we believe when we confess them. And in this Lord's Day in the Catechism, we come to the final two articles of the Apostles' Creed, that we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. And we'll explain what those mean, uh, specifically from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, as, as well as from the Catechism, which we'll turn to after we read God's Word here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we'll read verses 1 through 16. This is the holy and inspired Word of God. The Apostle Paul writes, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So far from God's holy word. We're going to especially focus on Paul's quotation from the Old Testament in verse 9, where he says, regarding the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We're going to turn first, though, to our catechism, Lord's Day 22, in the back of the hymnal we sang from. You can find it in the back. You should find it on page 881. And there's two questions there. I'll read the question and we'll we'll all respond together with the answer. So question 57, how does the resurrection of the body comfort you? 
Not only will my soul be taken immediately after this life to Christ its head, but also my very flesh, raised by the power of Christ, will be reunited with my soul and made like Christ's glorious body. How does the article concerning life everlasting comfort you? Even as I already now experience in my heart the beginning of eternal joy, so after this life I will have perfect blessedness, such as no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has ever imagined, a blessedness in which to praise God eternally. So far from our catechism. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the preacher in Ecclesiastes in chapter 3 verse 11 tells us this, that God has made everything beautiful in its time. Also he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. What God's word tells us is that each of us here has eternity put into his heart. And all of us recognize this, and all of us realize that there must be more to life, more to reality than merely what meets our eyes. There's something greater, there's something far beyond us that nothing in this world could ultimately satisfy. It was Augustine who early on had said that in prayer to God, saying that you've made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless, right? Those hearts in which eternity has been placed, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, the one who is our eternal good. And yet those who have rejected God, those who have continued in their sin, swing between these two pendulums as they try to deal with the fact that they want to control their lives, but they also have this sense of eternity in their own hearts. And that pendulum swings between rationalism and romanticism all throughout history of this world. The rationalist tries to conceive of the world according to his reason alone, as if he could understand the world simply according to what his mind can comprehend. And yet at times when wonder breaks in and eternity breaks in, he realizes that his reason alone is not enough. And so the pendulum swings to romanticism, where we live by this sense of feeling. Right? The rationalist looks at the ocean and he begins looking at the molecular makeup of the water. The romantic sees the ocean waves ebbing and flowing as a picture of eternity. The problem with both is that they are trying to understand themselves and their world apart from the revelation of God, apart from God's word, what he has said. Neither are necessarily wrong in themselves, but they're inadequate. And they fail to recognize that we, as those made in the image of God, if we are to understand ourselves and to, uh, to understand the world around us, we must live according to God's word in which he has revealed things to us far greater than our minds could ever come to. You know, the world has been filled with incredible intellects, incredible artists, incredible, incredible composers. And yet, not in the mind of any of them, not in the ears of any of them, not before the eyes of any of them, has what God has done appeared or come, been made known to them. They have incredible composers like Bach and Vivaldi, and yet in their ears, the good news of Jesus Christ has never come and a song so beautiful has never been prepared than the one that God has prepared and has come to our ears. Before the great artists, Rembrandt, Monet, Vermeer, all of them could 
perceive landscapes and see the beauty contained within them, and yet before their eyes, nothing so great and so beautiful as the gospel of Jesus Christ has ever appeared. Mighty intellects like Plato and Aristotle have uh, graced this world, and yet in their hearts, in their imaginations, nothing so incredible, so amazing, so wonderful as the gospel of Jesus Christ has ever emerged. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. It's required then for us to know these things, for God then to reveal them to us, and for him to freely do so, for him to reveal it, as Paul goes on to explain in the context of this chapter, by his Spirit. And what is specifically revealed, what is of great beauty, what is of great harmony, what is of great wonder that no eye has seen, ear heard, or heart imagined is specifically what God has done in Jesus Christ for you and for the world. And that's what I want us to reflect upon for the next 15 minutes or so as we think about the good news of Jesus Christ or it's simply the gospel, gospel meaning good news. And so as we think about the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want us to think about firstly its content, secondly its course, and then thirdly its consummation. Its content, its course, and its consummation. And we'll think briefly upon these things, though I wish we had more time uh, to reflect upon them uh, together. But first, its content. What of the gospel of Jesus Christ makes it so that Paul can say, no eye has seen, ear has heard, or the heart of man has imagined? Well, the heart of Jesus Christ, as Paul tells us in Romans, at the heart of the gospel, um, which Paul tells us in the opening of Romans, is Jesus Christ. Paul says this in Romans 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his holy scriptures concerning his son. The wonder of the gospel is found in the fact that God, the eternal God, the holy God, the one who dwells in unapproachable light, who dwells in eternity, sent his son into our world to redeem and save it. The wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ is found by Paul when he summarizes by saying, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the wonder of the content of the gospel of God that no mind could ever have imagined, no eye seen or ear heard. That God, the one who made us, the one whom we rebelled against in our sin, would send his son, his beloved son, to come and bear the curse that his people brought upon themselves and to endure that cross in the humiliation of the cross, enduring it to the point of death for his people. And it is this content, as Paul says, that he wanted to know nothing among them but Christ and him crucified, as he tells the Corinthians, So this message of Christ crucified is the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet before the eyes of the world, as they look upon a dying Savior on the cross, they deem it foolish. But Paul says they are merely blind to the wonder of what God is accomplishing in sending his son to save his people. 
And this is then the content, the substance of the wonder is Jesus Christ himself. One commentator put it this way, saying that the salvation God gives in Christ surpasses all thoughts of men, sense organs and mind combined are not able to come to the knowledge of the wisdom of God revealed in Christ. The apostle has in view the fullness of joy which Christ has acquired, has acquired as appears from the word glory. But not only that final joy is at stake, but all the wisdom of God revealed in Christ Jesus. See, as the world goes after different content, tries filling up that sense of eternity, that whole of eternity in their hearts, and they merely find it empty. Jeremiah had said this in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. God, through the prophet, says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. It's a summary of the kind of good news people are looking for all around them. Rejecting the Christ who was crucified on the cross and saying, let me fill it up. Let me fill my cistern up, my vessel up. But they find their vessels broken and in the end, empty. It's only when we come to know the wisdom of God revealed in Jesus Christ that we find our souls to be at rest and to find that fullness of joy that only Christ can give us. This is the wonder of the gospel and the grace of God and the mercy of God. That as we have sought good news elsewhere, God has revealed greater good news. Good news beyond our comprehension revealed to us in his word. And that content is summarized by Christ. Christ crucified for sinners and raised that we might have newness of life. So that's the content of the gospel that is beyond our comprehension. Secondly, the course of the gospel. The great wonder is how this gospel then spreads and advances in the world around us. God's kingdom advances ironically, not perceptively, by means of the gospel. The advancement of the gospel is not measured according to worldly standards, but is perceived by faith. We see this pictured all throughout the scriptures, especially throughout the Old Testament, how God's kingdom advances ironically, not perceptively, as if the world could always see it. We see this, for example, in the days of Esther and Mordecai. If you remember the story of Esther, Mordecai had overheard a plot to kill the king, and Esther had been already brought into the king's court. And Mordecai informs Queen Esther, telling her to let the king know of this plot to kill him. And Mordecai then saves the king. But Mordecai, as he's there, does not use his, that to his advantage. He doesn't use it to, to make a political name for himself in the city of Susa, the citadel, the capital of, um, of Babylon there. But instead, he lets it go. And instead, Haman rises up to put the Jews to death. And yet, God ironically overturns Haman's plot. Where Haman decided to kill Mordecai, Haman himself is hanged on the very gallows he prepared for Mordecai. Mordecai entrusted himself to his God. And by faith, God overturned and his kingdom and the good news advanced. So that at the end of Esther, news is spread and sent to the entire capital that the decree that would put them to death has been uh, re, uh, 
uh, negated. Uh, The king has retracted that decree. And good news spreads, ironically, throughout the kingdom. We see the same with Daniel and his friends in Babylon. As Daniel himself at one point was to be made second in command, to be given the entire kingdom in Daniel chapter 6. A decree goes out to put Daniel to death for praying to his God. And Daniel entrusts himself, just as Mordecai and Esther had done, to his God. And Daniel is then cast into the den of lions, but God overturns it, ironically. And those who had conspired against Daniel are the ones who are ultimately consumed by the den of lions. So too in the days of John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He comes with fire and, and to judge the nations and the world. John the Baptist is then found in prison, wondering, was he actually the Christ? You see, John didn't perceive the ways in which God's kingdom would advance imperceptibly, ironically in this world, not through Jesus, advancing himself politically to overturn the Caesars, but rather to entrust himself to the gospel as it goes forth. It's perceived by faith, and God reverses their circumstances and brings them great joy. This is the wonder of the course of the gospel as it goes out conquering the nations. This is the wonder of the gospel as it goes out as viewed as foolish and imperceptibly drawing all men and women from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation to join the body of Jesus Christ to worship and glorify him. What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined. And so there's wonder in its content, Jesus Christ. It's wonder in its course as it goes into the nations. And finally, there's wonder as the good news of the gospel finds its consummation. And it finds its consummation when Jesus Christ comes again. It's this that the catechism highlights for us in terms of life everlasting. It's the joy that we experience in our hearts today in part. We experience it internally. We experience it in our hearts. We know the joy that is ours in Jesus Christ because he is ours and we are his. Because he is our mediator. And the glory that Jesus Christ has received in his resurrection and exaltation is the same glory he will share with you. This is the wonder that one day our own bodies will be raised physically to be made like Christ's glorious body. That's what Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3. And it reminds us then that the glory that Christ has received is not a glory that he keeps to himself, but he shares with his people He shares it with you today. It it, it fills your hearts today so that today the people of God may have true joy in their hearts no matter the circumstances, no matter the, the environment in which we find ourselves. We can have true joy in our hearts because Jesus Christ has sent his joy into our hearts by his Spirit. But we look forward to that day when Christ our King appears Paul tells us when Christ, who is our life, appears, then also we will appear with him in glory. Our bodies will be raised, and we will enter into the fullness of joy that is in the presence of God. And we will forever enjoy the pleasures that are at God's right hand. And therefore, that joy today is an anchor in our hearts, drawing us and keeping us and stabilizing us and comforting us in this life. 
that we might then look forward to its consummation. And so we've seen the wonder of the gospel, of what God has prepared for those who love him. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. This is Jesus Christ, the content of the gospel, the course of his gospel, and its consummation in life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed what no one could ever have conjured up or conceived in their own minds or hearts or before their eyes. Father, we thank you that you have made this message known to us, and we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear which you have prepared for us, and that we would know the joy of Christ and belonging to him, and that we would look forward to the day of his return when he fulfills all of his promises and ushers us into life everlasting in his presence, where there is fullness of joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.